Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Biff Bites. Two for one special in March. We already had one earlier in the month, but we wanted to give you guys even more awesome content. So we're recording another one uh, for the post exam cycle. How you guys doing? Taking a deep I breath. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was I was better with the last March Biff Bites. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pre pre uh, crash Biff Bites. <laughs> yeah. So lots of people uh, have a lot going on between coronavirus, the market market crash, uh, people finishing up the exam cycle. Yeah. I mean, could, could there have been a worse possible week for somebody trying to focus? Yeah. Uh, for, for someone in the financial industry, <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah. In some right. respects, I suppose some found the exam to be the nice break from all the stress that was going yeah. on between virus and, and the market meltdown. Maybe the, maybe they enjoyed their time more, which should I, I talked to one student who sat for the exam and she said that she came out of the exam and got the pass and she was so excited. And then she looked at her phone and saw she had like 40 emails in the time that it took her to take the exam. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming they weren't good emails. No, definitely not good. <laughs> they emails. were congratulations or good luck, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, they were they were panic sell, panic sell yeah. emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is what we wanted to talk about today, uh, you know, to kind of remind all our listeners that we've seen stuff like this before we'll see it again while history doesn't repeat itself it certainly does rhyme uh so we kind of wanted to take a look back at kind of the history of market crashes in the 20th century and you know kind of see what lessons we can take from them and how we can apply it going forward sound good to you guys it does yeah i imagine many of those same feelings have uh, have repeated over and over right right let do you want to just dive right in we have a nice little list here of all the uh the bear markets of the 20th century so a total of 11 bear markets from uh 1900 to 2020 up first i guess you know can't really start a, a segment like this without no mentioning the big one right the one that everyone always talks about, the, the Great Depression. September of 1929, the stock market crashed and lasted for about 34 months uh, was the length of the, the big uh, crash where S&P ended up dropping about 86%. Like, I guess, does that make you feel good, Brendan, knowing that at least we're not at th those levels yet? No, because it makes me know that that level is possible. Right. Oh. So, and, 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 and precedented, right? So that's, yeah. But, you know, when we take a look at that, that was really coming out of the Gilded Age. And, and there was there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, excesses in the system all over the place. There was also, you know, we, we when you take a look at the, the, uh, the, the, the timing of it, when we take a look at the Securities Act of 1933 and the Securities Act of 1934, uh, it truly was the Wild West in the late 20s in the market. There was all sorts of manipulation and schemes and lies and... Uh, None of that happens anymore, I'm sure. But it was it was much easier to do it to do it then, uh, and so you know we, we saw the much needed legislation and, and certainly the depression that, that that followed for really over a decade uh, was was predicated on on uh, both the U.S. Congress and uh, the, the central banks of the day really doing the absolute wrong things, and, and as a result of their mistakes, um, central bankers and and, and uh, uh, the, the fiscal people, White House and Congress today, uh, have a much better understanding of which dials they should turn when. Uh, yeah. That definitely would, it's to do exactly the opposite of what happened in, in, in the late 20s. Right. So, I mean, back then, schemes such as like pump and dumps, high pressure sales, you know, these weren't not only legal, they were common practice and, you know, the bread and butter of a lot of the, the salespeople back then. Yeah. And, and, you know, the SEC wasn't even in existence. Right. So it just it was it was just a totally different type of market uh, in terms of regulation, in terms of participants. Um uh, and, uh, you know, Americans didn't really trust it. I think they, they, they participated regardless of that. But 
um, you know, by and large, uh, the, the, the market of, of that era looks nothing like the markets that we have today. Well, yeah, especially just from a numbers point. So we bring up the, the percentage loss of 86%, but it's it's kind of uh, hilarious when you compare it to the points loss. The S&P 500 went from a whopping 31 points to four points. That was the yeah. drop in the S&P. Whereas today, yeah. I'm pretty sure the S&P has dropped 31 points in the span of five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. When we, and that, that's what's interesting when you, when you see about it today. And that's why, you know, always you should be looking at things in terms of percentages because, you know, as the market grows and, and, and uh, we take a look at the Dow and the S&P and, and where they were a month ago, um, obviously, the points are much higher, so so the point swings uh, seem like they should be much more impactful. But when you look, take a look at it from a percentage standpoint, you know nothing nothing will will compare, hopefully, uh, to what we saw in 1987, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little while. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other takeaway for for the, from the Great Depression is also just the length that you know it took 34 months for the stock market to recover. Um, and it's a lot of people are already trying to make predictions about the current bear market we're in, how long it's going to last. I, I don't think anyone knows unless they have a crystal ball, but yeah. I think that duration of the, of the bear market is something we're going to want to pay attention to as we take a look at all these lessons from history. Sure. Yeah. It's always interesting that the, the quote unquote experts are always, um, on TV explaining in, ex in excruciatingly minute detail why what they had predicted last week didn't happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and i'm of that opinion as nobody has a clue with this <laughs> now in the 80s i had a lot of clients who had lived through the the great depression and the idea of having mattresses full of cash or grocery sacks full of cash i encountered that frequently yep. uh, early in in my career um, I'll tell a quick story about this because um, I had a client and um, his wife had died and we had done quite a bit of business together and um, and he called me and said um, and his wife had died maybe two months three months earlier and he called me and said hey I want you to come over there's uh, some more money I think uh, should be invested and um, so we go and he had found uh, sacks and sacks full of hundred dollar bills that his wife <laughs> <laughs> that his wife had um, stuck away and he knew nothing of. And he said, we, you know, we, we need to do something with this. So, um, and this is in, this is in a suburb of Chicago that had been known for plenty of gang activity. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, was his wife named Al Capone? Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the pillowcases had Al Capone yeah. stitched into the tag. Yeah. yeah. So, so we go to the bank, right? And he's gonna uh, put it put it in the bank. And I didn't really look at that much. I just didn't. I said, "Well, let, let's go." And, and and so we go to the bank, and then they start looking at this, and there starts being all this commotion back where they have these these bags, and um, and then they call call in some of the officer people. And they're looking at it and they're looking at us. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's counterfeit. It, it, this guy, and I'm here with him. I, I had nothing yeah. to do with it. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, they came and said, we think that you might want to rethink just a deposit with this. Almost all of them were silver certificates. Yeah. And so uh, at that time, they were worth more than just the face value. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And because oh, wow. uh, what, what year was this, Mike? Was so this was this was back when the uh, what was it? The Hunt brothers that were cornering the silver market. Um, this would have been early 80s. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. maybe 81, 81, 82 along there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I thought I was going to jail for, <laughs> for going to the <laughs> bank with the guy. And it I don't know what it it ended up being worth, but it was significantly more. So people were really doing those things stuffing away uh money and uh I, I i hope we don't see that again uh but oh, it sure reminded yeah, me I mean, of it <laughs> i i have a feeling if someone if someone walked through my door with bags full of money i think i'd probably be fired on the spot <laughs> yeah <laughs> cash cash is not is not seen as kosher in this business anymore no yeah no, exactly it, yeah no it yeah. is not 
It's actually funny. I remember the firm I used to work at. It's in this. It was in this big old like they've been there for a hundred years. So they actually had a massive vault in the building that they now use to hold all their office supplies because they don't have any cash or gold or anything (laughs) on hand anymore. So they just have this massive vault that they use as a, you know, basically cleaning supply cabinet now. Yep. Yep. (laughs) There used to be teams. Banks used to have teams that would be called reclamation teams. And so when they would shut down a vault, they would send in a reclamation team to sweep up any of the gold dust uh, that might be in there because, you know, it, it was... It was relatively valuable, and you'd be surprised how much they pull out of there. Well, yeah, a long time for the total recovery, and what what you guys were talking about earlier—that in between that time there were some mini um, recessions in in that yeah, same subsequent, period. Yeah, subsequent. Yep, subsequent economic downturns that were. It was, I mean, because there was a, there was a really a perfect storm of events that occurred during that time where we had the Dust Bowl uh, in, in, you know, the, the, the breadbasket in America at that point was, was still very much an agricultural uh, economy and um, that, that we just had a, a, just a devastating drought and, and uh, um, you know, really forced a lot of people into bad situations. Um, and, and so there was subsequent uh, depressions that followed. Again, recessions, depressions. There's a very clear textbook definition of what a recession is, uh, and it's not necessarily uh, as clear for depression. Yeah. So, so what we're using for this is uh, as just kind of our benchmark is a twenty uh, percent drop from right. peak prices is yep. what we're yep. kind of going off of as far. And that's that's kind of accepted. Obviously, there's people have different opinions on it, but that's yep. more or less what uh, uh, you know scholars. Yeah, would say the base. death of the bull. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so that that is good to bring up, Mike, because. That's something a lot of people don't realize about the Great Depression is the S&P 500 didn't return to its previous peak until 1954. So while the the depression itself lasted 34 months, it took, you know, year decades for the market to regain its all-time highs. You know, in, in the midst of all that was was obviously World War II and and all of the impact that that brought on the war and all the, you know, from an economic standpoint, yeah, the, the the death of that you know that that young men population is 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 impactful to the economies of the world as well, and um, it, it throws things off. So it it does take time for the for the certainly for the markets to come back. Right, and that kind of that bleeds into our next uh, bear market, which was in uh, May of 1946, and it was the you know no surprise the year after World War II ended. That was basically caused by just all this you know wartime production still being ramped up, but the consumption being way down. You know, America was right. no longer at war. Transitioning back to a peacetime economy ended up having quite a few bumps in the road, especially and, and, after uh, the little bump of, you know, soldiers coming home and and there were houses being built like crazy. They couldn't crazy, put them up yep. fast enough. People buying yep. cars for the first time in a, in a few years. And then once that kind of wore off, um, I, I think was part of this drop. And that's something we notice in the private sector a lot, that producers tend to ramp up production with the assumption that it's never going to end. They're always going to have the same demand that they have today. Mm-hmm. And yep. when, when that demand tapers off, uh, that's when you can see some crashes. And I feel that's kind of what we're in store in the future with coronavirus, where our first, you know, the market right now is reacting to the supply issue where we can't produce goods. And now I think the second phase of it going forward is we're going to run into a demand issue where if everyone's staying home, no one's going out, uh, consumption's going to end up being way down and we're going to have a, you know, a second, a second wind of this uh, this down, market downturn. Well, I sure yeah. saw something Saturday that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. And I was in the grocery, and there were just empty shelves. Yep. Um, I mean, on just about every aisle, there were there was at least one side of it or a good part of it that was just empty. And I just, it was surreal. Yeah. So right, right now we're in the supply side uh, issues, but you know, a month from now when the production is caught back up and those shelves are restocked, 
you're still going to have people who just bought six years worth of toilet paper and now aren't going to buy toilet paper for a long time. <laughs> Same goes with lots of other products that people are kind of stocking up on. Yeah, well, that was one of the aisles that was empty for sure. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yep. Paper goods, Purell, Clorox wipes, things like that. And alcohol and uh, yes. beer and whiskey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Good for cleaning and for spirits. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before we move on, then just uh, the uh, 1946 bear market was a total loss of 29%. And then that one lasted uh, 37 months. And I feel that's something we'll, we're going to see a pattern on. Um it, as we get into the more modern age, it's, it feels like a lot of bear markets hover around that 30% drop amount. And, yeah, and the 30%, yeah, that's correct. Yep. And I believe we've already dropped 30% from all-time highs. Uh, with, on, on the Dow. I don't know as though the S&P's quite gotten there yet. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So we've dropped 30% the on the Dow, but we haven't dropped 30% on the S&P yet. I believe that's correct. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Let's see what happens after hours, but <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, up next, uh, December 1961, which I actually I, is this like a forgotten bear market? I don't think I ever read about this in my history textbooks or anything like that. But it was uh, in response to the Bay of Pigs attack. I never knew the Bay of Pigs caused. Well, a, uh, also bear the, the the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. So it yeah. was literally the point where you know everyone everyone was hunkered down thinking that we were about to get into a a, a, a nuclear war. Um, and so yeah, so it certainly it, it certainly was a. Um, uh, a, a pretty significant downturn. Mm -hmm. um, but not I think that was point. when the Berlin Wall was either finished or started as well um, yeah. in that same that time frame. Sense. Yeah, the beginning of the Cold War for sure. Yeah, so just the, back... the, the real beginning of the Cold War. Yeah, back, back to back, Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis, Berlin Wall um, caused, a, caused a bear market, which... Like I, maybe it's just all these events overshadow the the financial history of it, but I I never really it, it never really clicked in my mind. I've never had someone pointed out to me that there was a uh, you know a twenty eight percent drop in the market during that time. Yeah, and I think it's 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 interesting when we take a look at that. We take a look at you know uh, there's going to be also another common theme that runs through a lot of these significant drops in the market, and that is. It, it, it's not necessarily bad news, but it's the uncertainty surrounding bad news. And, and so back in, in, in this period, um, we certainly didn't know what was going to happen. And, and we start to, to, to price in the worst case scenario. Uh, and, and so you see these drops. And then when you know it, it, it diffuses, the situation completely diffused, the market shoot right back up, which is why this was such a short lasting event. Um, but, you know, markets, people can make money in, in good news environments. People can make money in bad news environments. But when there's uncertainty, markets tend to, to pause and, and, and go to cash or go to safety uh, because they don't know which way to go. You know, and so uncertainty can be the most dangerous markets. And it is interesting that it uh, it was so short. It, it was only a six month bear market compared to, you know, years of previous bear markets. And there were some pretty significant drops that happened uh, again, for shorter periods of time, as um, you know, the Vietnam War uh, was really starting to rage with our involvement at at that yep. time. Um, so there were some. If you just look year by year, there were some there were some blips in there too. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. There. I mean, these are the big drops, but yeah, there are certainly lots of little little divots along the road. Uh, you know that we're kind of glossing over as we go. So, so far, first first one we tackled was caused by just rampant speculation, lack of regulation. Uh, second one was uh, just overproduction, trying to transfer from a wartime to a peacetime economy. And now the third one is uh, kind of the first just, uh, you know, I would feel news related recession just based off of, you know, people wondering what's going to happen next it's not really based on any economic well not necessarily economic factors but more just it's more a uh, psychological driven uh bear market than the previous two were yeah it's a black swan event you know it's something that you're not expecting right it's not anything that anyone predicted it's it's way out in the margins in terms of probability and uh it just shows up you know once it shows up you got to contend with it and, and you know it tends to lead to very high uncertainty and and uh, as a result, that pretty negative market outcomes and, and pretty severe, you know, pr pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, and it kind of led into the next bear market, which wasn't too far after, just uh, six years later, November of 1968, uh, there was another bear market that was that coincided with Richard Dixon getting elected though I don't know if he was the co- he was the cause of it necessarily <laughs> but uh inflation was pretty high at this time they were having 6% inflation which is kind of crazy to think about in in you know today's context i like when was the last time we had inflation that high do you guys think well it was definitely pretty significant inflation in the 80s um you know, it, it, since since the uh, '90s, the the one of one of the bigger issues that that we face as a, as an economy is is the lack of inflation. Uh, right. One of the things that we're definitely dealing with today. Um, but back, you know, it was it was <laughs> relatively calm. I mean, in uh, in Mike, so so back in 1982, 83, did you what were the mortgage rates looking like? Well, I mean, you could get 15% on a money market yeah. account um, back yeah, but you're then. Paying. So. 18% on a mortgage. Yes, that that's the other side of it. Um, right. and, credit card rates. And, yeah, well, right, people yeah. were just nuts about, oh, I, money market accounts paying me 15%. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, inflation was, was high. Yeah, so so those, um, you know, inflationary events are, are risky to, to economies. Deflationary or, or stagflation events are dangerous to an economy, as we can see with, with uh, really what's occurred in Japan for a long time. Um, you know, and arguably what's been happening here for at least the last 12 years. Well, yeah. In that period as well, um, w- with Vietnam again, there were, we started having um, big protests. Right. And destructive but- protests and uh, event like Kent State where students were shot um, by National yeah, Guard. Um, we had two political assassinations in that time with Martin Luther King and, and yeah. Robert Kennedy. Yep. You know, yep. so it was just... And the uh, today seemed pretty tame. The Tet Offensive was in that period as well. Yep. Um, so the, it, it, there was it was in turmoil for sure. People were just nervous all around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and again, uncertain. Where 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 is all of this leading us as a society? Yeah, and it definitely shows because the next bear bear market, you know, right on its heels, nineteen seventy three. Uh, next bear market was in result of uh, the Yom Kippur War and the uh, uh, oil embargo, the 1970s uh, oil crisis. Yeah, so, which again led to consumption shocks uh, because there was no supply. Yeah, uh, which which you know led to people not being able to get what they want when they wanted it, um, and and they rationed fuel and and uh, people would line up at the gas stations and not be sure that they were going to be able to get enough for what they needed. And it was definitely a, a, a not a great time. Yeah. And that's actually something that we can see mirroring today. You know, like we already mentioned that uh, supply issues is, is what we're suffering from right now. People are going to the store and they're walking out empty handed because the thing that they want to buy isn't in stock. Because someone that walked in before them bought like 100 of them. So. <laughs> right. You know, it's, True. It's, yeah. it's less it's yeah. less a shortage and more just hoarding mentality. Yeah. So Selfishness. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember when, thinking at that time that the world was going to end because gas had finally gone over a dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But back. So so if, if you were to take a look at it, uh, what was the average income for somebody in 1974? $1,500, $2,000 a year? Yeah. And I think that's what a car, brand new car would cost, something in that range. Yeah. So, College I mean, was 1500 bucks. Maybe she's yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I'll just put it in a money market and I'll pay it off in a couple of years. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Wait till the eighties. <laughs> money's going to be worth a lot in 1984. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so yeah. 1973 uh, market dropped 48%, which is actually the largest drop since the great depression. So that was a pretty significant shock to the market. Yeah, yeah and you also with, with the with the, 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 the all of that. So we had these linchpins, right? But the, the black swan event then was the Watergate scandal and, and right. the resignation of a sitting president, and um, it was just it seemed like a complete unraveling of the entire pres- uh, uh, political system, um, and, and that uncertainty led to just you know a shock in the market. People don't want to hold if, if they don't know what's going to happen. Right. So and 
just to kind of give people perspective on the numbers, the S and P 500 went from 120 down to 62. Wow! So, yeah. still pretty manageable numbers, I'd say. Um, you know, I, I, we've seen that drop in a day easily. Um, yeah, I think the S and P today dropped twice that amount. Yeah, dropped twice that amount today. At so. the open, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but even even under like like I would like that would be a bad day on an in a normal market, but it wouldn't be anything to write home about, I feel. Now if you know, again, given where levels are now, it'd be just about a four and a half percent move. Right. So and back in uh, nineteen seventy three it was a forty eight percent move of the needle. Well, yeah. I mean, 119, the entire level of the S&P would be a, a, about a 4% move. Right. The, the, the 50 <laughs> points would, yeah, 50 points would be nothing. That, it would be a welcome, it would be a welcome change at this point. <laughs> true, true. So. Uh, and then rounding out the 70s, uh, going into the 80s, uh, getting into modern, uh, some more modern day ones that uh, we can actually start drawing uh, personal experiences from. Uh, the next bear market was in November of 1980, and uh, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to 20%. Yeah, and that's that's what Mike and, and I were just talking about, where, you know, your money market was, was great because you were getting, you know, huge percentages for taking zero risk. And, and, but the, the flip side is, you know, mortgage rates were just unbelievably high. Yep. So Federal Reserve raising interest rates so high sent a shock to the economy and uh, the market ended up dropping 27 percent. So right around that 30 percent, actually closer to 28 percent, 27.8 percent drop in the S&P 500. Yeah. And, you know, really, it's, it's interestingly, the the pushing rates significantly higher was one of the was one of the key mistakes that was made. Uh, back in the late 20s to put us into that Great Depression. Uh, the response of, of watching the stock market crash was to raise rates. Um, and, and that you know was the catalyst to really, and then they also raised taxes at the same time. It was the catalyst to really push the economy completely underwater. Right. Um, you know, you see these strategies that we have in place to try and mitigate recessions ending up causing a recession. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, uh, I was graduating college uh at that time and it was uh, it was tough to find a job coming right yeah, out of yeah. school yeah i feel that's very reminiscent of the 2008 financial crisis too yeah much to my parents chagrin that i was once again in their basement yeah <laughs> <laughs> playing the dungeons and dragons in the basement you Mike. <laughs> but, but you've, you've made a commitment to get out of there this year right yeah well yeah. partially <laughs> Partially. I'm, I'm working on something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Up next. So I would actually call this the first modern day uh, bear market. Uh, Black Monday, August 1987. And this is interesting because this is the first bear market caused by computers. Um, computerized program trading uh, ended up uh, causing, you know, tripping circuit breakers and basically just causing a panic on the market when things just started falling and everyone started panic selling. Yeah, I mean, there had been a, a series of, of subsequent downs in the market for the months leading into it. And then in uh, on October uh, 19th of, of 1987, the, the market just just completely uh, fell out. And, and so it lost uh, over 20% in a single day. And, um, you know, it's what it's one of the reasons why we see the circuit breakers on the market, which have changed a lot since 1987, that there's been a, a number of different iterations of the, of the market circuit breakers in an attempt to allow uh, cooler heads to prevail, allow the, the, the market to just take a pause and make sure that we're actually meaning to trade at these levels and it's not just something that's feeding into itself. Right. It, this is basically the first bear market in which the speed of information is playing into it. Um, you know, people are able to get information faster than they can think about it and are ending up making rash decisions because of it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a, uh, you know, I will never forget that day. I remember it very vividly as, 
you know, one of those areas where you are nervous. Like you, it just, it seems like the, uh, uh, from a financial standpoint that, that we're going to go right back into that great depression type environment. But the market recovered, you know, really quickly afterwards because again, yeah. it was a shortest bear market short shortest bear market we've ever had at only three months long like <laughs> yeah pretty it was like a cold shower basically well it's just you know again cooler heads prevailed and 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 they they realized that that um uh, perhaps it was it was overcooked on the on the downside and, and it allowed people to say you know as we talked about in the in the behavioral uh, podcast, there, there's two dominant emotions that will 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 deal with markets, and it's greed and fear. And so, obviously, uh, leading into that that flush on October 19th, uh, it was fear, and then and then greed came in, and and uh, you know people started looking at the value to which things had fallen, and started saying, you know, is this is this really appropriate uh, appropriately valued? And profiteering took over, and and, and people started you know dumpster diving. Uh, looking for things that have really just kind of been thrown out and, and uh, you know, established pretty, pretty significant positions. Yeah, I got cooked good on that day. <laughs> um, I, at, I, I was in the insurance business at the early, those early years of my career. And um, it's when blood testing uh, started happening for life insurance underwriting yep. because of AIDS. Yep. And um, I mean, before that, you could write maybe as much as a million or more with just answering some health questions. And it went very quickly down to maybe 100,000 is all one could get without blood testing. And there was one place that was doing at that point almost all of the testing and it was going public. So I got in pretty big on that on Friday the Friday before that Monday, Black so Monday, you were the mush. It it didn't go to zero, but it 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 killed me, and uh, and it never did get all the way back oh, over a, a number of years. And then you know competitors came in and all of that. So I yes, I remember that day, Brendan. <laughs> your timing your timing is good. Yeah, uh, it's like that. Uh... You know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you, so, so let's talk about that for a minute. So we talked during the behavioral side about the, the snake bite effect or break, uh, break evenitis effect. Um, which of the two did you, did you suffer from? Well, I, I just, I, I, I didn't really feel like, oh, how stupid was I? It was just who, who could have seen it? And, yeah. and then I was committed to stay, um, you know, in it for a while. Um, but then I think I maybe held it another three years. Okay. Uh, and ended up still having a loss on it, even three, yeah, three years crazy. later. So, well, that certainly happens. Yeah, definitely. But it did start one of the longest uh, bull runs because our next bear market wasn't until 2000. Uh, well, so. and, and, and just, just you know, for, for the sake, we, we had a total different, uh, the, the, the real evolution of what we know as Wall Street today yeah. really took place in, in that mid-80s period um, where, you know, going to, to Wall Street is what, people were doing from you know harvard law and yale law and all the business schools that people wanted to go to wall street uh and, and so that's when money really started pouring in right that was the uh when the gordon geckos started showing up yep yep well that's a good point to to be made as uh, over all these years if you would even think about what percentage of americans uh held stock uh, that has yeah. just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger for and, and, a lot and of it's reasons. Still, it, it's still relatively low. I mean, when, when you think it is. here, yeah. politicians talk about, you know, the impact of, of uh, the, the stock market, you know, and how it doesn't really, not necessarily reflective of, of what's happening in real America. And that, that the point is from them is there's only a, you know, 30, 35% of the population that actually directly participates in any kind of these security markets. Well, and even if, if you just take away 401ks where it's like it's almost like these people are, you know, obligated to participate, but they don't actually participate, participate. 
you know, if you take away 401ks, that percentage is even smaller, like less less than 5%, I would say. Well, the coronavirus is working very heavily at trying to take away 401ks as we speak, so. Yes, <laughs> that too. Uh, but yeah, so after after Black Monday ended up being one of the longest uh, bull runs, you know, thir- yep. 13 years. Yep. Uh, it did come to an end, though, with the dot-com bubble. March of 2000, the S&P 500 was at an all-time high of 15.27, and it crashed uh, 49% down to 776. Yeah. And, you know, certainly, you know, again, not nearly to the same extent, but just a period of excess leading into it where, you know, slap dot com on anything and put it on paper and it goes public and it's going to triple or quadruple in the first couple of months of trading. So so there was definitely um, there, there was definitely a lack of. Uh, people really understanding what they were investing in. There was all kinds of new entrants into the market because of relatively low-cost trading like Charles Schwab and, and you know, the E-Trades of the world. So there was more access. Um, but we also had September 11th of 2001 that, that kind of extended this a little bit and, and complicated right. it. You know, mm-hmm. would we have stayed in it as long as we had without that, um, the terrorist attacks? You know, who knows? And, and uh um, but it, it, it certainly extended and, and, and certainly complicated things at that time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it was kind of just a one-two punch. Um, you had, you, it, I think, if it wasn't for September 11th, this would have just been another kind of divot bump in the road, and then yeah, it might have been 04, right? It, it, it was definitely coming. You know, there, there was yeah. there was definitely going to be. We, we were on a road to perdition. Let, let's say that, and and. Uh, um, I, I think that that the the terrorist attacks certainly expedited the outcome, um, and and perhaps made it. Uh, I, I mean, I think you could argue that that uh, perhaps the the uh, patriotism and and the unity that emerged, you know, made made the economy a bit stronger as people kind of bound together. Uh, so maybe it shortened it, uh, but it, but it, it it certainly complicated it. Right, and it is it is also interesting that we kind of saw see this as the start of almost kind of like a new business cycle with technology firms where new technology gets introduced in this case it's the internet you see rapid adoption of this new technology people pour money into it and then people slowly realize that it's a bit overhyped and you kind of get this big pullback in response when people realize you know it's it's not quite there yet because the internet of the early 2000s is not the internet that we have today. <laughs> like, no. I, I remember being with friends and we would just uh, like type in companies into the web bar to see. It's like, oh, let, let's see. Coca-Cola. OK, Coca-Cola has a website. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> Nike. Hey, oh, OK. Nike has a website. Whole, this whole page loaded in just four minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so like everyone is like, yeah, the internet's amazing. It's awesome. Right. It can do all these things, but like the technology just wasn't there yet, and we had the exuberance for it, but it was not what it is today. It was not capable of doing the things that people wanted it to do, and it ended right. up having, you know, pretty drastic effects on the market. Are we ready for the the biggest one since uh the Great Depression? So far. Yeah, so, so far. far. Oh man, <laughs> don't say that. That's not, not tempt fate here. The market please. closed. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is closed. Yes, uh, market's closed thankfully. right now. You'll be happy to know it closed right on the low. So October two thousand and seven to March of two thousand and nine, the housing bubble and the subsequent financial crisis. Brandon, can you give us, or Mike too? Can you guys give us a refresher? Even though I'm sure this has been talked to death, but. Uh, what 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 in a nutshell was the uh, the financial crisis? Well, I mean, from my perspective, it was there was a, a political shift in the country to make uh, owning a home uh, go from being uh, an Amer- the American dream to an American right, and and so there was there was a you know vast again coming out of the the the, the terrorist attacks two thousand one. The country kind of needed a win, and 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 uh, uh, so so there was this political appetite to, to to really make it you know relatively easy for people easier for people to own homes. There was a lot more flexibility in the rules, 
uh, and uh, you know because the banks were were basically able to sell the risk on to the government, there was a lot more appetite to to really expand who uh, can buy a house and what type of house they can buy. Um, and you know you come to find out that that when you turn the rocks over a little bit, that there's a bunch of bad actors that were doing things that you know they certainly shouldn't have been. Um, and it just it it. it it put a significant amount of risk into the system that people just weren't at all aware of. Um, and yeah, the way they were bundling them. I mean, I think at that time, yeah. it was harder to get a library card than uh, a mortgage. Yeah, because you actually had to show some proof of identification with the library card, with yeah. the mortgage, not so much, right? Yeah, but then when these started being bundled and, and, and offered as AAA when maybe that first level was, but was in with a lot of really losers. Yeah, um, if, if that first level. And I, I think there was a big, you know, there was a, there was a, 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 a people were putting these things together because they thought, well, what are the chances all these things go wrong at the exact same time? And, and so, you know, it, it, just, it just allowed for these things that when just a little bit of a crack in the foundation occurred, the whole thing came tumbling down and, you know, ultimately, it was credit default swaps that were that really led into. Um, it was really the, the almost the, the firing pin that blew the whole thing up. Um, but then, you know, the tide went out, and we started exposing things like the the Stanford uh, uh, Ponzi scheme and the Madoff Ponzi scheme, and you know the, the, these other these other bad actors that were just doing these terrible things. Um, and, and then, of course, again, the banks who were arguably uh, not necessarily operating in the, in the best of faith either. Um, and so there was questions as to whether or not the system itself was was sustainable, and so we had this cascading failure, and um, you know the, the 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 fear that banks were going to be nationalized, and um, there was going to be bail-ins, so people's savings and, and checking accounts weren't necessarily going to be safe, and all of this stuff started to to percolate into the market. Um, and, Same know, with the uh, auto industry, too. I remember there was yeah. a bunch of bailouts in the auto industry. People thought the auto Absolutely. industry was going to be privatized or up uh, nationalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just a it, it literally was as as there was no bunker to hide in, you know, and the, during this time, there were a lot of people that began to question whether or not modern portfolio theory works. And then they started to come up with uh, uh, postmodern portfolio theory and, and um uh, uh, you know, really questioning whether if if you have the uh, the possibility where all asset classes lose money significantly, then how can asset allocation possibly work? You know, and certainly those things have kind of gone away. Um, uh, but in in general, it was a very trying time. And um, again, you can't you can't underestimate the impact um, that the, the fear that the system itself, the financial system was going to fail in the country, you know, you need as a, as a society, especially a capitalist society, you need faith in the banks. You need faith that when you give your money to somebody, when you come to pull it out, it's going to be there. And, uh, they just, it was, there was a lack of trust. There was a lack of trust between, uh, people in the banks. There was a lack of trust between banks themselves. All this counterparty risk was out there that, you know, people were really afraid to kind of deal with each other, and uh, the government did not do a good job of stepping in quickly enough. Right. I mean, that's that to me is what the financial crisis really boils down to was the breakdown of trust, because yeah. the real catalyst for it was the breakdown of the credit market. You know, yeah. that is what this all circled around. And credit is trust without it. You know the wheels of the market stop turning. Yeah, and that's that's really you know the so the illiquidity uh, where people that need cash are not able to get it from people who have cash, and and you know again trust is the big issue there. Uh, but the, the the lack of liquidity in those markets really ground things to a halt. I mean, the, the system got pretty dark pretty quick. I mean, it did like we said, it did lead to pretty substantial government reaction, which we're seeing today now. Like the Fed injected what one point five trillion into yeah, the market. God. Yeah, they, I mean, they they you know uh, to his credit, Ben Bernanke um, and, and Hank Paulson, who was the Secretary of the Treasury at the time. Uh, and Bernanke was really, uh, he had taken over from Greenspan, uh, Alan Greenspan, and, and uh, he was really the perfect man for the job because he had spent his entire academic and uh, uh, professorial career studying what got us into the Great Depression. And so he knew exactly which buttons not to push, right? And, and, and so 
Uh, he and Hank Paulson worked very closely, um, uh, also with Tim Geithner, who was the uh, president of the New York Fed at the time, and uh, did the best they could, right? I think people can look back and say, well, look at, you know, look at these terrible mistakes they made, and this was a stupid decision, but you know, in the midst of it, um, the fact that those two guys survived without like having heart attacks is, is, is unbelievable. Um, you know, and then they've, they've, they've left us and, you know, they, they, they really threw all the hooks we had into the water. Um, and, you know, now we're left trying still to this day, trying to unwind that and struggling to do so. Um, but at, at the time it's what they thought and, and, and the backdrop of this. So those are the monetary policy tools that they tried to implement, but they were begging for the Congress to get together on a fiscal policy stimulus, which mm -hmm. led us to the toxic asset relief program, the TARP. Uh, and if you'll remember, I, I can't, it was back, I want to say it was October of 08. Uh, that went to the floor. It was voted on and rejected. The market, the market just puked. It just, it just couldn't <laughs> handle it. And then they passed it and sent it to the White House. And the White House vetoed it, refused to sign it. And it got sent back. And so it took a few tries for that to go out. And it was very public and it was very ugly from a market perspective. You know. And then finally they, they got it resolved. And, and uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was really from a market perspective, it was really like June-ish of 08. Uh, and then the bottom was, was reached uh, uh, in March of 09. So it was a relatively short-lived event, but God, it was, it was terrible going through it. Um, and then, it, you know, it's, it's obviously it's made records since then. Right. And I mean, that's kind of the issue we're running into now, like you said, about as far as untangling all the monetary policy is we've been at such low rates for so long, we didn't really have much room to turn it lower. You know, we're we're at zero per zero percent Fed rate right now. Yeah, we're back there. Yep. Back there again. And, and so, you know, back to zero percent on, on central rates. Um, we're, you know, the, we've deployed several other, you know, uh, repurchase agreement bailout. We, we've got uh, potentially commercial paper bailout. So, so really, you know, the Fed is focusing very much on liquidity of, of markets um, and doing its best to make sure that this, this biological issue that we're dealing with doesn't turn into another financial crisis where markets freeze and banks are at risk. And, and I, I think that that's one of the big differences that we have right now is as a result of, you know, the, the, just the, the bad things that happened in 08, leading into 08, you know, banks now are forced to have much healthier balance sheets. And so the banks are very well capitalized. They're extraordinarily healthy. Um, and, and so the risk to the system is much lower as a result of, of um, you know, the Dodd-Frank you know, Dodd Act, I think is, is, is somewhat cumbersome, but it's, it's proved to be, uh, very beneficial uh, for what we're going through right now. Right. It's Dodd-Frank's always been one of those things that everyone gripes about until it's needed. Yeah. And when it's needed, people are really thankful that we have it. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a very robust piece of legislation. So now do you guys think that we're going to drift into negative rates? No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm leaning no. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't have a lot of rationale to put behind that i just but I'm, I'm leaning no at this time i mean i i would hope not i think that um i don't think it'll be i don't think we'll have negative rates as necessarily a policy decision so um if we take a look at you know the shorter end of the yield curve might the market take that negative like it's done with with others you know it, it's certainly possible i think it's unlikely um you know we, we were ironically greater risk a couple of weeks ago when the 10-year treasury fell below 0.4 um, right which is you know shy it was a shocking move in the 10-year treasury and now we're up around you know 75 80 basis points so um it would it would it would seem you know it certainly possible but but very very unlikely right so looking at the current situation that we're in now and having going gone through all of these bear markets in the over the last hundred years, what are what are the lessons that we can take away and kind of apply to the current market situation? Well, I want to I want to bring it back around how we kind of started. You know, we talked about folks sitting for their CFP certification over this past week and. Um, trying to do it in in such a turbulent week but when all the dust settles with all of this there is going to be as great a need if not more for knowledgeable financial advisors to, and there's going to be a demand for the help a lot of folks will be pushing reset 
and really needing to look at the whole financial plan again. Are we still okay? What needs to be adjusted? And, and so I would stay the course and hang in there and, and not try not to panic professionally from a, am I going to lose all my clients? But I also would think we would need to be pretty proactive in being in touch with them just to reach out and, 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 and let them know that you're there and that you're going to help them through this, even though it's as bad as, as anything we've ever seen. Just uh, don't give up on your clients and, and be proactive about it. Yeah, that's a good call, Mike. Uh, these are definitely the events when people realize if they have a good trusted advisor or if they have an advisor who's been phoning it in for the last five years. Um, because really in the past, you know, since 2009, you know, you, you could, you could have been on vacation and still be making money hand over fist. Um, now's where the good financial advisors really earn their salt. Yeah. And these are opportunities where, you know, it creates sometimes, uh, the door opens a little bit and, um, someone else might get a shot at, uh, at that client. And, and, and that's why we, we have to we have to be proactive about being in touch. And, and the goal is, I mean, the period of time like this where it's, it's really been a shocking move. I mean, if we take a look at historically, uh, we've never seen a market go from an all-time high to a correction with the speed at which this one has. Um, and, and, you know, again, we were at all-time highs on the benchmarks on February 19th. Here it is March 16th, um, and, and it's a totally different story and, and it's it's all based on a, a, a virus uh, that is you know came out of nowhere and it moved voraciously across the globe and, and so when you when you look at it people people are nervous there's, there's a lot of fear in the system because people are worried about their health they're worried about the health of their loved ones um, they're worried about their ability to you know, provide food and, and uh, essential things to, to their family. So we're seeing hoarding in, in, in stores. Um, and, and on top of that, they're worried about their money. They've seen just, just like catastrophic losses potentially in their portfolios. And, you know, the, the, the decision that has to be made is to whether or not you need to make changes or react to what you're seeing and, you know, how long lived this type of event could be. Um, and again, with it, I'll point to what we've talked about a couple of times. It's, it's just so much uncertainty. You just don't know, right? Are we going to uh, have an experience like they've seen in, in Italy? Are we going to have an experience like they've seen in uh, Indonesia or, or the Philippines, where it's a little less significant, at least at this point? And so you hope that uh, the fact that, that the government has gotten out as far ahead of this as they can, and they've done just just really shocking things that are really difficult decisions to make by canceling uh, the NCAA tournament, canceling all the professional sports, telling closing down bars and restaurants. And I'll tell you what, closing down bars hurts because yeah. you really need it at this point, right? And, and so, you know. But, uh, but just, Ireland closed all bars. I was shocked. Is, I mean, it's a sign of the apocalypse, right? So, so yeah. and, and, and you know when you're making those decisions that you're really going to impact people uh, that, that aren't like the Jeff Bezos of the world that just maybe don't have that cushion built up. And, it, it, you know, again, coming back to a financial planning standpoint, um, this is the reason why you have the emergency fund. These unexpected things that come out of nowhere and, and perhaps upend what you thought was going to be the next couple of months. Uh, and, but now you're prepared, right? You've got the ability to kind of ride it out. And certainly, hopefully, the government comes in and, and, and helps those people as well. Um, but to not have to rely on, on that happening, to be able to do it on your own. Um, so, so that's why these things that you learn about in, in, in your financial planning studies are, are relevant and important uh, because you can't predict these things. No one would have thought uh, a month ago today, on February 16th, no, no one, you, people would have locked you up if you said, well, there's, there's going to be this virus and it's going to shut the world down. <laughs> they're, they're not going to play the March Madness. Like you would have been locked up. Um, but now here we are, you know, and so it's, it's, where do we go from here? That's true. Though we did kind of see a crash coming, just no one really knew what was going to be the catalyst. I think people definitely felt like, you know, we, we may have been whistling past the graveyard as a result of all of the, uh, uh, fiscal, po I'm sorry, monetary policy accommodation that had been put in the system and, 
you know, the fact that, you know, things had moved up so quickly and Tesla hit 900, that wasn't a sign of the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where, where Tesla, Tesla had the, the market capitalization of Ford and GM combined doubled. Um, and so it just, yeah. So, so certainly there was, there was definitely some excess in the system. Um, but we, we had a really strong underlying economy to kind of justify it. You could point to it and say, okay, well, you know, we're a little expensive relative to history, but I can justify it because X, Y, and Z. And then again, when this black swan kind of swims into the pond and, um, you just don't, you don't see it coming when you first see it, you don't, you don't recognize it as that event. Um, and, and now again, the speed of this is just historic. Hopefully it's, it's, uh, you know, recovery that will be of, of similar speed, but, uh, um, you know, your, your goal as the planner is to you know, use those emergency funds if, if needed and, you know, try and keep people on target in terms of the plan and, and only make decisions based on economics, not emotions. Right. And the silver lining of this all is great buying opportunity. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I, I, I would hope so. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of discounts out there. I, we were talking before the show. You know, I was gonna buy a new car uh, next week, but uh, now I'm thinking about just taking that money and putting it in the market a little while instead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, once I, again, th th there are things that can be done uh, from from, a, and I, I'm not a huge fan of government intervention and things, but the government's there for a reason, and, and, and certainly times like this are one of those reasons, and and so. Uh, some sort of obviously the, the the Federal Reserve and other global central banks have have, have done what they can uh, from a monetary policy standpoint to, to to shore up the financial system and to make sure there's liquidity. Now it's incumbent on uh, governments to, uh, especially you know let's let's just leave it at the U.S. Uh, to infuse some sort of fiscal stimulus so that people know that they're going to be okay and so that business owners can make decisions and plan out so they don't have to lay off a bunch of people uh which you know it feeds into itself that that's those types of things make these events last longer um and, and so hopefully we can get to a point where uh politics and, and partisanship is kind of put down uh for a little while in the interest of of uh the country and uh, we get to something that is intelligent and logical and makes sense to the market and is, uh, you know, quickly implemented for the benefit of, of everybody that's going to be negatively impacted by this. Right. And, and that is no small feat, given the division that is going Oof. on right now. Yeah, it reminds you of, 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 of the late 60s when we we're talking about just the, the, that, that political divide where, you know, again, you, you just have you, you have a it feels like we're as wide apart as we ever have been. Yeah. Well, I hope they do what's right for America and, and don't just fight for partisan well, sake, yeah. you know? It's interesting. Yep. From what I've been seeing, though, this has been one of the most unifying events that we've seen in years. Like, they're, they're getting legislation on the floor that I didn't think was possible. And, like, Mitt Romney t today came out and uh, proponent, uh, decided to put forward a $1,000 basic income for Americans. Like, that is something I never would have thought I would see from Mitt Romney. No, it's, yeah, I mean, in, in, you know, I, I think that we're, the, the goal would be to get something that, that we get enough people to, to, to agree on, that we can move it to the president's desk, get it signed, get it implemented. You know, get, get people um, the security or the sense of security that they need uh, to not have to worry about, you know, where the next paycheck is coming from because of, again, a, a virus that which by all accounts and measures uh, should be relatively short-lived. This is not like the financial crisis where all of a sudden we realized the, the whole thing was rigged and there was a big problems. This is, this is just a virus, right? And, and, and so um, you want people to focus on their health and the health of the, the, the people that they love and not necessarily worry about this as an economic issue. Well, some good lessons from history that we can uh, draw from. Going to be interesting to see where we go in the next couple months. I'm hoping we're near the bottom and, you know, we just got nowhere to go but up from here. Yeah. I'm hoping that the next podcast is about taxes. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, crisis part two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we do crisis part two for our next episode, then you guys can start to worry. Yeah. Get those bars open. That's, that's, yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, thank you guys for uh, your insight and your comments. I, I like yeah, listening you to you guys when you get into this stuff. Definitely. Well, certainly, you know, take care of yourselves and be smart and be safe. And, and uh, hopefully we get through this pretty quickly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
And it does get better. Just remember that, everyone. You yep, know, we always we, get through them all. All the ones that we just listed, we survived. That's exactly. Right. That's right. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And make sure to check out our backlog of episodes at biffbites.com. Thank you.